So what we're trying to do is influence the organization, every single part of the organization, to factor in inclusive thinking and diverse thinking in everything that they do. This is The Talent Show, a new podcast series from FT Talent, a hub of innovation from the Financial Times. It's hosted by under 30s for the under 30s around the world. This second series is about all the aspects the FT organization is covering today, from editorial to development, from data to talent. I am Virginia Stagni, and this is a guide we designed to inspire you to be the one driving innovation and change. Welcome to the show. New episodes of The Talent Show and a new episode of the second series of The Talent Show that is focusing on what the Financial Times organization is all about. And, um, of course, we've been covering about journalism, about news, um, about the different uh, roles and uh, how you can really develop your career in the world of journalism. But also, we are tapping into different departments, one of which is the one that cares about the human beings behind an organization and um, what does it mean to work on the human capital side and uh, I have uh, here in the studio with me Yazir that is our head of diversity inclusion at the Financial Times. Hi Yazir, how are you? Hi, very good. Thank you for having me. I'm very well, thanks. Oh, it's great to have you here because DNI is one of these uh, buzzwords that we constantly hear about. Every organization now needs to do diversity and inclusion, needs or should or must I don't know. I, I, I'll have you define what is the right verb and uh, choice of word when it comes to diversity and inclusion. But uh, let's start with you. And uh, Yazir, you joined uh, quite recently the FT, right? When did you join it? I, it's, it's funny, actually. It's been a year and a half, a year and five months. It feels like yesterday. Though. So, but I mean, like 18 months more or less into, into our organization here. And I would really love to know more about your personal journey, if you would like to share it with us. What brought you to diversity and inclusion? How did you become close with this uh, um, area of focus for any organization out there? Um, it's, a, it's a great question. It's also a tough question because I guess the answer is it's been a very organic process. Mm -hmm. I think for me... Um, such a privilege and very fortunate to be working in the space for diversity and inclusion. Uh, I call it a law of attraction in that mm -hmm. um, uh, I just naturally fell into the space based on my personal experience of growing up, my lived experiences. I mm -hmm. also um, had a speech impairment, so I found it really, I had a stammer, so I found it really hard to, to speak. So I think it's safe to say I, I straddled an, a lot of different diverse identities and that journey has been... Uh, tough, uh, enlightening, um, and an opportunity for me to develop and grow and really become passionate about um, including people into society based on my personal experiences of being excluded. It's very much a law of attraction. I think it's really interesting what you're saying about your, of course, personal background. How do you um, kind of separate this personal journey and any feelings you might have mm. from your personal perspective on things to be a professional in this area. It's, it's about how do you, um, through your own personal experience, understand what it takes to connect unheard and diverse and marginalized voices to mainstream media because they're really important voices that uh, need to be heard. 
there's really brilliant stories that need to be told and helping connect uh, those diverse voices to mainstream media and actually it's to the benefit of mainstream media um, to connect those voices because whatever uh, media organization you are they really want to reflect the societies in which they publish yeah. and write about and talk about and have people talking about so for me that has been I guess the area that I'm most passionate about so your question was how does how does the how do you separate the personal from the private but how do you almost use that oh. for me it's about showing the diversity within diversity it's about um, understanding the nuances of how a storyteller tells a story and allowing them to tell a story in their own way versus teaching them the way to tell stories which is very much oh. lib um very much subconscious subconsciously and also consciously riddled with biases in the way we tell stories it's very much in a in a um in a certain style which yeah. is prevalent to the cultures in which you know we have here at the organization so finding those ways to bring to connect voices in showing the value of those voices but also doing the development to 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 get people um writing in the style of the publications or the output is is really key i think what does uh, a head of diversity and inclusion do for an organization can you walk us through your 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 remit as well as uh, how uh, your day looks like here uh, uh it's a big question i guess um so for me it's doing two different things one is to understand what it takes to create a level playing field so equality yeah. of opportunity what are the initiatives and programs you want to do in order to achieve that so early careers program talent development programs specific outreach um, specific partners to help promote your brand as an employer of choice for diversity um, listening to your employees on all of the challenges they face with exclusion because it's everywhere and it will always be everywhere. So I think it's about moving along the progress. And then what do you want to say to the outside world? So what's your story? So I think for me, it's about providing that whole vision and arc for the organization, um, bringing in best practice, bringing in some um, your own diagnostics and assessment, yeah. Yeah. listening to the organization, but most importantly, guiding the organization on how everyone can play a part to be yeah. more inclusive. So in a way, it's culture, um, what the organization looks like, and what do we say to the outside world? It's a very good uh, lens that we need to put sometimes, you know, on our glasses, on how we are looking at things. And I think it's really, it's really important. But what have you seen are maybe the best misconceptions, best or worst in that sense, misconceptions around the world of uh, DNI, and what... Maybe, you know, companies you've seen that are not really considering they should. It's a really great question. Look, I, th I think some good things have, have come up with diversity and inclusion over the two, last two to three years. Look, we've had a tragic murder of George Floyd, which has unearthed really uncomfortable conversations mm -hmm. around uh, equity, particularly around race. I think it, the opportunity that's come out of that is organizations take it very seriously and strategically. The challenge is now is what role an organization plays in the wider societal conversation of equity. And I think that's still a very uncomfortable one. I think the biggest challenge I'm seeing today is it's a wider societal challenge um, is a lot of virtue signaling. We, we, 
talk a good game, we say equity is important, but actually what sits behind it? And I think some of the traps organizations fail into, and this is why it's really great to be working for the FT, because we do, I don't think we do it, we do do this, is <laughs> we um, talk about the importance of diversity, but actually don't back it up with any substantive work or plans or initiatives or effort. Because for me, um, a lot of research out there, Harvard Business Review, uh, out there to says creating the right culture of, of inclusion and harmony for everyone is the way in which you achieve sustainable diversity. Focusing on just shiny gimmicks and little programs to make an organization look good externally will actually create a backlash. And I think for me, that's probably some of the, the challenges organizations face today. I am a big fan of what you just said about you need to have a talent, the diverse talent within the company that's all in the nature of FC talent <laughs> at the end of the day, right? Why we created it is like to really have, um, uh, um, to be an op a door opener for diverse talent from the most diverse background, younger people to come into organiza our organization. But what is really key to me is showcasing a business case around diversity. Um, would you denaturalize your role or what your team, for example, needs to do if you think more commercially and strategically around diversity and inclusion or is actually something that we all should be doing? So what we're trying to do is um, um, influence the organization every single part of the organization to factor in inclusive thinking and diverse thinking in everything that they do and provide them with the guidance to steer for that. I think there's such a, a brilliant opportunity now because the traditional model for media organizations, whether it's The Guardian, Channel 4, BBC, the FT, we've had this uh, monolithic view of bringing talent from an early career, then you build and build and build and 15 years down the line, they're going to be an editor. I think um, the way uh, the audiences in the world, just all types of audiences, the way it's saturated, the way they think and view, the way they have ideas of value and in ESG is so different. So we've got to be appealing. Yeah. We've got to capture. And most of that is being very agile. So I think for us to be relevant in the world is to be connected with the way um, uh the Gen Z modern day consumer thinks, behaves, does, is interested in. They are interested in uh, sustainability, climate change, values, ethics, diversity, equity. So if you as a business are not speaking to that and connected to that, then you're going to miss out. So for me, there's the missing out on potential talent and diverse readers. There's the missing out to your to your competitors who are going to be doing this and doing this really well. So you miss out talent, they take the talent. And also you're missing out on editorially rich stories and also creative and innovative thinking on how to survive as a business in the world of saturation. So your earlier point about the need to, the must have and the value, it, the answer is you need to have all of those. I think it's really interesting because this is all about the shifts of attitudes and uh, how we are seeing the workplace, how we're seeing our career journey. And also maybe we don't see in a very mar Marxist way, uh, word as our expression of ourselves, but just, you know, uh, 
a part of our journey on this earth. And I, 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 I kind of enjoy that, but at the same time, I don't fully agree. And I would love to know what you think. Because you have such a cultural role for an organization, do you feel you're identifying yourself a bit too much with your role? I think, I think for my role, the type of work I do, I, I, I am my role, but it's constantly evolving. I'm constantly learning, constantly adapting. Um, my personal experience lends well to the role of empathy, compassion, understanding, leverage, having leverage with underrepresented groups because, you know, people want to feel like you understand the issues and challenges. Um, you've touched on a really, really uh, complex subject where I'm seeing the way the world is today. So what, for me, I'm a big believer of what's happening in the outside world Im impacts on the inside world. We're living in a really precarious time and we have uh, huge cultural wars going on. I think there's a balance of challenging the status quo, so the order there in which we have, yeah. pushing them, changing them, challenging them, harnessing uh, lived experiences, but doing it in a way which isn't about me as the individual. There is two and a half thousand employees here. Everyone's different. What we want to do is find a way that all voices are included, all voices feel like they feel part of this. My job is always to bridge the gap, is to uh, have it for us, our work to be something for everyone. Now that means taking the middle road. So you'll have extreme voices on the left, extreme voices on the right, probably may not feel connected to it, but I want to speak to the mainstream. It's so hard. And that's for me, the constant evolution and learning and seeing and seeing what others are doing and also trying to adapt because I think, you know, we're never going to get this perfect. It's about moving along in the spectrum to be better. What you just said um, really made me think and reflect quite a lot around working for a cultural product. What, what do I mean by that? A cultural product is a newspaper, is a piece uh, of music, is a, um, a theatre show. As a second meaning, right, there is, a, there is a symbol that is what the cultural product is bringing to the table and is not just a laptop, a, a cup. And uh, what you were saying about um, the different voices within the organisation, well, it's what makes the organization beautiful. But at the same time, cultural products do have a tone of voice and do have a mission. How difficult, or how do you think, how are we doing this, of bringing people that do believe in the mission, in the core mission of our cultural product first, and then secondly, we tick the box of, sorry the expression, but you know what I mean, of a certain diverse background. How do we balance that? We should be something for everyone because the way we do our business reporting has really good key principles that anyone should connect to, so it should be attracted to anyone. My honest view of this now, having done diversity for 18 years, is it's a scale. We want to uh, develop unheard diverse voices so they have a level playing field, but we want to engage with parts of the business who don't, or employees who don't fit the traditional categories, who feel diversity speaks to them and say they're included, 
they can also be an ally. So doing that education piece an ally. But for me, you do too much of one. Sorry, you do too much of initiatives to attract diverse talent. You're disengaged with this part of the business who then won't be the allies, who then will perpetuate some of the exclusions. Mm -hmm. And then we see the same old story that people will come in, but they'll leave faster than they join. Then you don't do enough to represent diverse voices. Um, you, you're not listening to the needs of employees. So for me, it's about getting the balance right. You can't do too much and you can't do too little. Thank you very much, Yazir. I... I really appreciate um, what you just explained uh, because I think it's really helpful when you think about maybe, you know, some audience out, out there, some of our listeners would love to join and build a career in your field. Do you have any tip for them, maybe? Um, I think it's the tip is is to really know and understand yourself and to know that the role is it's brilliant in that you work across so many parts of the business, but you have to be really, really, uh, you have to have courage and conviction because you have to support those and you, you have to support and raise, but you also have to manage up and be pragmatic. So the tips are, um, try to do work, which, uh, caters for everyone and not just for select few. Uh, what did you study uh, to build your career? What what has been your journey? No, because it might be actually very interesting. I mean, do you need to take a degree in people management or something to do your role, or not really? What's your what's your what's your take? Well, certainly not my background because I fell into it by mistake. I, I did uh, computer science at university, went into a dot com, got made redundant after the year. Just naturally, organically came across. Uh, positive action. I was a positive action trainee and then it led to my field of equity and equality and diversity. Um, uh, today's world, there's a lot of um, courses, management courses on d and um, So I would say take those opportunities. Uh, the biggest skill that you need is to be, to be curious about life and people and be open-minded. And I think the rest will sort itself out. Thank you very much, Yazir. If there is one special part our, about our talent show is that we always welcome some of the challengers and uh, younger career professionals that we all talk about into the show. And that's, you know, bringing the diverse voices or their voices that we try to talk to within our uh, realm and, uh, you know, our podcast studio. So we have uh, Piotr and Letizia that are going to ask the questions to uh, Yazir. So, Piotr, why don't we start from you? My name is uh, Piotr Bacic and it is my great pleasure uh, to be joining you here in person. Um, I was one of the lucky participants of the 2021 edition of the Talent Challenge um, and I'm currently a graduate research student in sociology at UCL. Um, my professional background is mainly in financial services and healthcare, where sort of in addition to my day-to-day -day responsibilities, I also delivered and worked with the, my team and management on a DNI aspect. And hence, it is a great joy to be, uh, be able to speak with you today on this very, very important uh, topic. So in the previous questions, um, well, you referred to those, of course, who are at risk of being excluded and marginalized, both in the society, but also um, at work, in, in the workplace. So could you tell us a little bit um, how can we make sure that the DNI aspects are institutionalized in a sense that how can we make sure that workforce the DNI aspects of workforce planning are seen as integral design principle rather than sort of an add-on or an afterthought um, as it is sometimes? 
It's a really great question. Firstly, thank you. It's great to meet you, and thanks for uh, your question. God, it's it's a tough question. So I I think there's a different there's a number of ways to approach this. One is um, is to work with key people across the organization to define what good looks like. So the the question is what would a diverse and inclusive organization look like? So if we were to fast track three years forward and you would want to rate the FT on if we were good or not, what is that? Because it's quite subjective. Um, and the way, I think the way to do that and the way that I did that here is when I joined a year and a half ago is to um, look at what, other similar organizations doing so i had a like a horizon scan of what the guardian the new york times bloomberg um wall street journal a few others were doing in the space for dni um did a bit of an assessment of the great work that we've already been doing so in a way charting our what's our next steps listening to our already underrepresented and diverse voices here so we have brilliant employee resource groups it's an, a great resource listen to the types of challenges and opportunities that they face as employees of the FT, um, bringing people together and and doing a, a, like an ideation exercise to say, right, okay, here's what's happening in the outside world. Here's where we rate at the moment now. Here's uh, some of our challenges and opportunities. Let's collectively decide what, what would good look like for us. Through that process, we then identified new um, goals, representation goals. So I call them goals, not targets, because goals are a way of measuring. It's doing diversity in the right way. It's not about, it's not a charitable, altruistic, uh, quota filling exercise to say, right, in three years, we want to get to here. And then figuring out what do we do backwards on culture, because what we can do is focus purely on recruitment and hiring and working with the right partners and holding the right campaigns externally. But if people join and they leave faster than they're joining, then it doesn't really work. So there's a combination of what do we do to create the right culture? What do we do to in terms of processes to bring people in? How do we identify uh, top talent and diverse top talent and, and develop their journey in? And how do we um, also attract by what do we say to the outside world? So I think um, that is the right way to do it. Um, having ways in which you can hold yourself to account, having ways to measure success, but most importantly, um, engaging with the wide business to, to help play their part in collectively making us more diverse and inclusive. Thank you. Thank you very much. Letizia, your question. Yes. Hi. Hello. Nice to meet you. I'm Letizia and I'm part of DFT Talent. So I'm working for the design part. And so today my question for you is uh, how has the working from home impacted the diversity and inclusion initiatives? It's a really great question. Really good to meet you. Thank you very much uh, for that question. So, I, so personally, I would when I started, it was it was a new way of doing things because I had to get to know the organization in a different way. And I personally love the the hybrid way because there are times when I just want to come in and talk and meet to pe meet with people to really gather thoughts, get a sense of feeling of a culture. And you can only do that when you're in an organization. But then there are times when I just wanted to go away and be um, my natural in, in, uh, introspective self to really start to think, okay, so what does that mean for us? Um, able to do my own research, my own thinking, and just switch off from 
that engagement. So I, for me, I felt like I had the best of both worlds. I think um, hybrid working is an absolute brilliant way of thinking diversely, behaving diversely and being more diverse. Because if you think about it, we are engaging with colleagues in all different parts of the world, virtually on a call. We have tools in order for us to naturally be more inclusive. So we're sat here in a room talking and uh, I could be giving one person eye contact and not the others, or three people are talking and the other person has, isn't able to talk. Whereas if you're virtually, if you're there virtually, there's ways in which you can contribute without it being intimidating by just writing in the chat box, raising your hand function, or someone feeling, oh, actually, you know, uh, Virginia hasn't spoke, so inviting Virginia to speak. I think it provides, from a technical baseline point of view, some, some really little uh, brilliant ways to, to bring voices in. I think in terms of hiring, if you're thinking of tr attracting talent outside of where we're based for in the UK, for example, London, then you can have people join from all parts of the country. And actually, you know, we have a brilliant way of any, you know, being in the office two to three days a week. So you can basically maintain a lifestyle living somewhere else and actually coming in one or two days a week to do that. So that's that's obvious. Um, I think if you're from a neurodiverse background and if you have a disability in terms of, you know, physically coming into the work and access to work, I think that just opens up so much opportunity. And also for people who, um, um, you know, from neurodiverse backgrounds who work in a different way, who think a little bit differently, who want to, for example, have a bit more structure and be home-based, I think it allows us to do that. So I think the opportunities are brilliant. Um, also moves away from presenteeism um, and just mm. being present and, you know, the biases towards extroverted types of individuals in our industry and it facilitates um, introverts uh, being at their best. Uh, and I and I say that because the misconception people have about me is I'm such an extroverted person. I'm actually quite introverted and I have my moments when I go out, but I need to kind of go off. So I think hybrids worked really well for me in that regard. Thank you so much, guys. And uh, thank you so much, Yazir, for uh, everything you shared. Uh, I definitely have uh, a lot of takeaways to, to think about here. And I really hope for the listeners, too, we are giving a few new keys and new lenses to read uh, um, your role, your world, and uh, how important and how key and strategic it is for any industry to really develop their own strategy and their own way of thinking about diversity and inclusion because it matters to the culture of the organization itself and you don't want to be, you know, as we said, to be denaturalized from uh, actually what's your uh, reason of being as a company. So I think that's that's really, really important. It's subtle, but important. And you really made this very clear for us today. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for joining. And thanks Thank to all our listeners for tuning in today. Thank you, Yazir, again. Thank you. This has been The Talent Show, which is produced by the FT Talent Team, Aya Al-Shihabi, and me, Virginia Stagni. Our podcast producer, editor, and sound engineer is Arturo Ochoa, and our social media producer is Letizia Clementi. Our music is by Dennis Kishuk. Check out all of the Talent Show episodes at fttalent.ft.com, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and follow FT Talent on socials for updates. Until next time, and keep listening. Keep listening.